welcome back to the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Welcome back, everyone. This is the podcast for Cultural Reformation, brought to you by the Ezra Institute. I'm Ryan Aris. I am joined here with Dr. Joe Boot, and uh, we have uh, just come through these uh, long, uh, long-touted Mission of God conferences uh, in, uh, in Canada, one in Windsor, Ontario, the other in Calgary, Alberta. It's been a, a spectacular time, and we are going to get into uh, some of the uh, some of the themes, and honestly, some of the uh, some of the Q and A questions that uh, didn't get a chance to be uh, to be either voiced or addressed. Uh, that's that's the theme of uh, this topic. Joe is going to be talking specifically about uh, the trans movements and the the religious the inherent religious nature. Uh, of those movements and ideologies. Before we uh, before we begin, uh, just a uh, just a quick note that registration is now open for our Spring and Summer Cultural Leadership Academy and uh, Worldview Youth Academy. The Youth Academy that's for uh, high school aged students, uh, parents, grandparents. As Christmas is uh, coming up, we want to make sure that uh, you want to make sure that your kids are well-equipped to respond to all of the challenges, all of the godless ideologies that are flying around. Uh, really, what better way than to, uh, than to send them for a week of uh, intensive instruction and training and fellowship in cultural apologetics, Christian worldview. If you visit EzraInstitute.com, you can sign up your children, uh, your grandchildren for that, uh, that program, and uh, we would be delighted to see them. Great Christmas gift, Ryan. I, I thought so. Give the gift of worldview this the, Christmas. The gift of worldview. It's uh, is it uh, is it cliche to say it's the gift that keeps on giving? <laughs> <laughs> it does keep on giving. It's, it's uh, no question yeah. about it. <laughs> and uh, I yeah. On that note, as we as we approach the Christmas season, and uh, to be a little more crass about it, the fiscal year end for for many of us. Uh, if everything that uh, that we do here at the Ezra Institute. Uh, depends on uh, listener support, and uh, that uh, that's a way that uh, that you can really meaningfully uh, help us to uh, to continue to create content like this uh, to improve our uh, our quality to do more of it. Uh, we depend on your support, and if uh, if you would go to as again EzraInstitute.com, prayerfully consider as you uh, look at your uh, your year end giving. Uh, Keep us in mind. We would uh, we'd be very grateful. Thank you. So without uh, without further ado, Joe, we're uh, we're going to get into this uh, this topic of trans movements, and that's a uh, there are many there are many trans things. That's a uh, that's a prefix. That's a a modifier. Um, and uh, in your uh, in your lectures, you you draw attention to a couple of trans things. The most the most obvious, uh, or the most, uh, I guess, prominent in uh, popular consciousness is uh, transgenderism. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe uh, for we we think uh, we think that we we know what that means, uh, but can you can you give a, a quick explanation of transgender uh, what what uh, transgender ideology contains? And mm-hmm. one of your uh, I think one of the, the subtitle of your lecture was. Uh, trans as religious commitment. Mm-hmm. Uh, just uh, just 
pull out, uh, make, uh, put skin on some of those, those implications for us. Mm -hmm. Well, fundamentally the, the basic idea of the, of the, the trans movement, and it emerges from the critical theories uh, mm. of uh, the last century. It has a, basically a, a Marxian, a, you know, a Marxist root that essentially human beings, you know, create themselves by their own technique, by their own technology effectively. I mean, that that's very important in Marxism that um, human beings are uh, create themselves or recreate themselves through their own work. And uh, in, in modern versions of Marxism, that's become uh, through their own um, uh, technological uh, work through technological means and uh, with Freudianism, uh, through psychological means as well. So you have these two things running alongside each other. Psychologically, technologically, human beings can can remake themselves. So fundamentally, the trans movement holds that there is no pre-established givenness to human identity. There is no sort of human ontology. So where the Bible begins within the beginning, God, there's a creator-creature distinction, and then you then start to see the basic distinctions. We might call them binary distinctions that are mm -hmm. built into creational reality, light and darkness, land mm -hmm. and sea, um, animal, vegetable, and then, uh, um, uh, and then of course the human yeah. night and day, night and day. Yeah. Right. You see these, these, uh, these binary distinctions. And then of course the most critical one from the standpoint of this debate, uh, this discussion is the male female distinction. He made them male and female. So we don't have some concept there of, of a fluid idea of, of, uh, of gender, that there are somehow um, 72 plus or whatever the number is now mm -hmm. of supposed mm -hmm. identities. There is male and female. And of course, the, what becomes clear is that, they all, that the male and female have a peculiar calling and a specific role. Uh, so that we might say that there are there's a there's a norming of what's expected of Adam and a norming of what's expected of the female in Eve in broad terms. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of ontology of creation in the trans movement, that's completely jettisoned. And the basic idea is there's no pre-established givenness, no uh, basic ontology. Um, there is only the uh, there are only the tools of language uh, and the, the tools of technology uh, through which we can invent and uh, remake uh, the human human identity and the human person. The way this um, is uh, is sort of immediately expressed within the, 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 the trans idea um, is that the, the idea of sex and gender are separated from each other. This is where people find it almost baffling. So we think, well, of course, male and female. So there would be a general acknowledgement that you can talk about biological markers. Uh, and uh, although <laughs> some people get as far as saying that, you know, uh, that um, is, there a, is there a real body prior to uh, to language identification, some would go as far as to say, well, that's an impossible question to decide. But yeah. the more rational ones would say, okay, we have to admit, admit that there are certain biological markers, um, uh, but that that doesn't define your gender. Your gender as male or female um, 
is purely performative. It's something that you you that you perform. It's like an act. Mm. So it's a it's a it's a mask that you can put on or, or take off. I mean, the whole idea of fluidity is that you could be one thing one day and something else the next, or you can be be born one thing and totally transition to another because what you what you identify as psychologically your is your is your gender how you feel internally so it's all psychologized and that is somehow seen as basically unrelated to biological femaleness now of course what you know they don't grapple with including thinkers like judith butler is it's all well and good saying one is not born a, a woman one becomes a woman um or neither mm-hmm. um but um it's ridiculous it, from 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 very every, very obvious standpoint that uh, everything involved in the idea of womanhood, um, menstruation, for example, um, pregnancy, childbearing, nursing. Well, these are all things that are that are they're not just performative. That's not theatre. It's not an act. It's fundamental ontologically to a person's being. But that the trans movement is concerned to deny. So I just saw an ad last week in the Daily Telegraph, an article in the Daily Telegraph, I should say. Um, uh, it was an article was being critical of this of this ad, but it's basically advertising, you know, um, sanitary towels, you know, tampons for men. Uh, <laughs> oh no! <laughs> this is the extent. This is this is where we've actually. This is where we've come to with the absurdity. Of, of these kinds of claims. But that that's basically what the trans um, movement is about. I like the way um, Carl Truman summarizes it in his book. He says, and I quote, the acceptance of Freud's basic insight that sexual desire is constitutive of identity, and this from infancy onwards, is therefore an anthropological, philosophical, and political watershed. To concede this point means that debates about the limits of acceptable sexual expression become almost pointless because any attempt to corral sexual behavior is then rendered an oppressive move designed to make the individual inauthentic. Attempts to set limits based on the intrinsic nature of certain sexual acts are ultimately arbitrary and politically motivated. So the idea being is that whatever your desires are, psychologically and internally, that's your identity. Irrespective of any limitation your own body may be placing on you, uh, those are to be ignored and of course it's gone beyond sexual behavior now to the notion that well if there is no real distinction no binary distinction between the male and the female then why not biological men competing in women's sports right yeah yeah and, and so one of the uh the th- the articles that grabbed my attention in recent weeks was um about a canadian powerlifter, a, a woman named april hutchinson who's facing a two-year suspension from her sport because Ryan she had the audacity to critique the 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 issue and to be critical of the issue that biological men masquerading as women were dominating um and destroying women's powerlifting uh there's a trans athlete who's been who's a biological male who's been setting multiple records and recently shattered the women's world record for powerlifting beat it by over 200 kilograms uh and she is facing a two-year ban for saying that this is not fair that (laughs) men are running off with women's winnings and destroying women's um uh, 
powerlifting sports. And she's the one facing the ban for being critical of that. I mean, this is the surreal world we've entered. It's like if I bring a dirt bike to a bicycle race and, <laughs> and somebody, get, hey, that's not I identify fair. this as a bike. Yeah. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And, but, and the notion that then the cyclists, you know, would be banned for complaining. I mean, yeah. this is, you couldn't make this stuff up. <laughs> so you were... Uh, you you started with uh, so the idea of God and the creator creature distinction. Uh, one one of the uh, one of the most obvious sort of implications that of what you're saying is that uh, that uh, that air foot locus of authority is uh, is replaced. Uh, there is no transcendent God mm-hmm. to uh, to give definition and boundary to to who I am and what I do. That's that's my own determination. But even there, like there seems to be a a pretty, I guess, well well defined uh, worldview out of which mm-hmm. uh, I uh, or on which I I have to depend to uh, to assert my own authority. Mm-hmm. Uh, Very much so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the uh, whether it's um, whether you reduce it to a kind of materialism, mm. um, uh, materialist, naturalistic worldview. Um, as I said, you know, Marxism clearly informs the the, the movement, and that's atheistic materialism. Uh, the way that um, I think it's Gabriel Kuby puts this, um, she says, um, modern and postmodern man have emancipated themselves from God, from nature, from the family, from tradition, woman from man, children from parents, individuals from themselves as man or woman. They stand naked, restrained by nothing and defined by nothing other than their own wishes, desires and drives. They think they are free to self-actualize and do not notice that in their vulnerability and lack of inhibitions, they are more malleable than ever before. So it is a it is a it is a thoroughly developed world and life view that um, human beings can basically be reduced to uh, the material um our psychology is some kind of epiphenomenon it's some sort of bipod product of simply material reality because mm-hmm. there's no as i said there's no pre-established givenness we have to anything that we are we stand on the edge of the abyss um and we must define ourselves without reference to anything um well really i wouldn't say without any reference to anything beyond ourselves because you um human beings always define themselves in reference to something other. Uh, and in this case, of course, it's an ideological conception or it's merely uh, the idea that, you know, matter and energy are in somehow eternal. So you're always relating to something, but you're emancipating yourself from all created structures in order that you can... So you have it in that respect, I guess you could say you have a decreation narrative followed by a new creation narrative. Right. And actually yeah. here you see a parody, don't you? Because you have you've got to decreate God's world, then you must then you must recreate uh a a new world based on your own idea. Um and uh that that then it's purely a matter of the imagination. So with with the with the the trans movement, essentially your 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 imagination is running riot unrestrained by the the structural norms of 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 created reality 
and you know as we'll see in a moment um the self actually becomes less and less real not more and more real Hmm. it's not more authentic it becomes less and less authentic yeah um but that's where the decreation new creation narrative lands you You then have to try and incarnate this new word so you have this parody of christianity because you've got decreation so you now need you need a new birth you need a new creation and that uh, and your words must now incarnate somehow this this um this new reality and then we might bring technology to bear a human technique to bear to try and um to try and reshape the material reality to reflect your imagination mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not an accident or a coincidence that uh you know, magic in fairy tales and uh, in popular consciousness uh, is is largely accomplished through words. No, that's a that's a, a that's an absolutely critical point. Mm-hmm. That really, I and I've argued this before that you can you can reduce these movements to 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 a form of occultism. Right. They're dressed up in academic language, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and you know what is often basically gibberish is made to sound incredibly sophisticated. Um, you know, baffling language for the un- uninitiated um, that that makes people feel like they're missing something truly profound because they, they don't understand it. So they must be missing something profound. But in fact, what you're dealing with is magic words. Um, say the magic word. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, uh, you know, correspondence. If I, if I, if I can visualize this, um, and in my imagination, then I can somehow speak it into social reality. This is mm-hmm. little more than a sophisticated Western academic form of um, of occultism, yep. because words do have power. I mean, in the yep. beginning was the word. Yep. We are image bearers. So we actually, from God's point of view, from the Christian standpoint, we have an obligation to use our words constructively, creatively, reconstructively in terms of God's order. Which is why so, which is why words are so important in the Bible. What we say, letting our yes be yes and no no, uh, uh, how we use our uh, oaths, um, the whole notion of blasphemy, you know, um, because words matter, and there's blessing and cursing, and we have to we we we're to bless and not curse, um, because words are very very significant. What we say really matters. Now we can't create in an original way with our words as God does. Um, but um, we can either use our words in that faithful, God-honoring, um, covenantally faithful way, or we can use them in an apostate fashion to try and decreate uh, God's world. And so it is. It's a sophisticated form of of magic, um, of, of of occultism, um, in this in this attempt to uh, to to remake the world by our own words the fairy tales are interesting that you refer to too because isn't it often the case that people are being turned into something else that's right right yeah at a a word a a toad or a yeah a a tree or whatever it is yeah Yeah. Uh, um, or or a beast yeah um or 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 a troll or whatever it might be there's an alteration of the person's identity Mm -hmm. through through magic and of course you can only be restored um you know usually uh, if it's a, a positive fairy tale, they're not all positive. There's some kind of restoration that happens from the distortion of that image by so magic turns the the, the prince into whatever, uh, or the princess into whatever, and the right kiss or the right uh, action brings about 
a transformation, a, a restoration or a recovery of the identity. Right. Yeah. Ma- magic in the, you know, in the fairy tales or to, you know, to bring it into more theological language that that power is not inherently uh, evil, right? It's no. uh, who, who is, who is authorized to wield it. Right. Uh, so who's, uh, who, who gets to, who gets to determine what, what you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's interesting, isn't it, in Scripture how so often with the demonic realm, um, there there is a there is a, a fundamental power encounter um, that we see in the ministry of Jesus, in the ministry of the apostles, uh, especially as the kingdom of God is breaking in. We see demonic resistance to it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, Paul encounters it, of course. Um, and what we see is that the gospel and and Christ, who is the Word, has power, and 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 the name of Christ has power over these uh, over these demonic um, forces, and the demonic attempt to, to 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 reshape reality in terms of an alternate word. Um, and you know, when you look at what um, demonic forces do to human beings in Scripture, you see that it's they, they dehumanizes them. Yes. Think of the 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 the, the demoniacs at Gennesaret. Yep. Uh, and yep. how their humanity that they they're not in their right mind until they're delivered, mm-hmm. and they beh- they're behaving like beasts. Yep. Um, and. Uh, <clears throat> This is, I think, is uh, is absolutely critical. That I think what is when you look at some of the images now of, of what drag is supposed to be, and then you've got this sort of attempt to even appear like a somewhat different species, whether it's makeup or plastic manipulations of the human body. Mm-hmm. Um, it's getting more and more extreme. What you see is getting more and more extreme. It's dehumanizing, yes. and it has a demonic. It has a demonic root. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the uh, one of the related uh, movements or ideas that uh, that you mentioned and that I want to spend some more time with uh, is this uh, this link or this uh, this bridge between uh, transgenderism and uh, transhumanism. Mm-hmm. So transgenderism, we have this idea that uh, you you're moving from you're transitioning from one assigned gender or whatever it is to another or neither or part of both or whatever uh, uh-huh. configuration that is. Uh, transhumanism, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll ask you to uh, mm-hmm. say more about it, but it's, uh, it is transcending or transitioning from uh, a, the, the human uh, identity, human species, uh, into or partially into uh, something else entirely. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, when I was sort of researching for the, for the conferences and, and doing a bit of writing on this, uh, this, this kind of link came to my mind because when you look at these movements, they share the same basic worldview assumptions. There's no pre-established givenness. Right. Binary distinctions have to go. Um, you human beings really are are are, are reducible to um, the material and the the byproduct of of a of a kind of psychology. They can't account for freedom and mental causes and all of that. But that that's maybe a, that's a that's a debate beside the point for the purpose of this discussion. But how we would go about an intensive critique of that, we'd encourage people to to obviously buy our books and um, and uh, um, 
and and do some of the uh, do some of the reading. Um, but so, so some of the worldview foundations are very clearly the same. And when you read, for example, Natasha Vita Moore's uh, Transhumanist Manifesto, which was drafted in 1994, um, what she says is that our that our ideas uh, and tools continue to evolve. And so human beings are going to continue to evolve. Again, no pre-established givenness. I mean, that, of course, is the meaning of evolution. Yeah. Um, so without that pre-established givenness to human nature, things are just evolving. So our bodies and values will. With transhumanism, it goes beyond um, the uh, idea of merely enhancing the body. She talks about a world of, interesting how the language is so similar, a world of diversity and multiplicity. Hmm and of transhuman rights of morphological freedom. In other words, the right to morph into whatever you want. Now, transgenderism, th through the imagination, lives in this uh, imaginary world of not simply that you could be the opposite sex, because that reinforces the binary. That's right. Yeah. Um, and pretend to be it, but that actually you might be pan-gendered, yep. gender-void, asexual two-spirited queer questioning all these bizarre expressions mm -hmm. that transcend anything that we have thought about um as as describing in any way normative human identity so we're actually already not talking about their basic uh normative human identity of 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 male and female we're already talking about a, tr a um transcending not merely modifying, we're talking about transcending uh, the previously recognized and accepted categories of what a human person actually is. I mean, what is gender void? What is pan-gendered? Um, these are not mm -hmm. human uh, descriptions from a, from, uh, in, in the sense that you're being limited to um, the givenness of createdness of male and female. Is it... Is it oppressive even to try to define some of these things? Or like, I don't know. Well, and I'm only half joking with that question. <laughs> well, you know, everything's oppression now. So putting, yeah, putting yeah. any kind of delimitation on things, you know, that's why the plus is always on the end of the LGBTQ2 essay plus. Yeah. Because that avoids any sense of oppression that you're limiting people to even a, a very long list of, of these abstract, um, you know, conceptions uh, of which of which are when you try and look up the definitions are far from clear yeah uh, to yeah. say the least of what they actually describe now what's um what's added now because you know you can go back to augustine and find sort of drag events and pride parades of mm -hmm. sort of the, the, mm -hmm. you know their version of the ancient world of um hermaphrodites and uh and cross-dressers and the effeminate parading through the streets in paganism yeah no he said he spends a lot of time on this in uh, city of god that's right he talks about how it's uh you know this is this is what uh what you've done to brace basically bring judgment on yourselves you uh you pagan civilizations right so it's no surprise that with repaganization you know and i it's an it's an it's to me that's one of the most amazing things you know you look at that and you see you know uh 17 centuries later mm -hmm. the same things coming back but what's the difference now with the trans thing the difference is that in augustine's time they did not have sophisticated surgical techniques they didn't have the scientific technology to um try and manipulate and imitate biological structures through human technique to 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 make the imitation 
uh, look more plausible. So there's an additional plausibility. Now, here is again another connection with transhumanism, um, because whether somebody is trying to make themselves look like a serpent, and there are people doing that now who are, who are trying to make themselves look like, you know, a cross between this... a human being and some other sort of species. Yeah. Right. Uh, or you're trying to merely imitate the the bodily parts of the opposite sex through plastic plaster what they call it it's angioplasties or basically yeah. plastic surgeries right you know yeah. that te that technology wasn't available in the past um it it, uh, it is it is available now and so again because transhumanism is about transcending the boundaries of human identity through technique you've got a very in my view transgenderism is a form of transhumanism hmm. now hmm. specifically the transhumanist movement though has gone beyond uh has, has agrees with the transgender movement to say there's no ontological givenness as as uh, as as i say as the tools evolve as our um ideas evolve we're just going to evolve with it so that completely that unifies the movement in that in that regard. The primary interest of transhumanism, though, is is not just using techniques to modify things, but actually to eventually merge. Uh, a new a post-human will emerge right through yeah. the through the merging with our own technology. And um, one of the things I I pointed out in um, my lectures on on the subject during our Mission of God conferences. Uh, in December, and this is also uh, some of that content is also making it into a forthcoming book of ours as well. Yes, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, um, yeah, I've got a a book coming out next year, Think Christianly. Yeah, and um, I'm going to be uh, pu publishing on on the issue. So look out for that. Uh, we're looking forward to that. Um, the <clears throat> I pointed out that science fiction has, of course, reflected on this for quite some time. Yeah, and um, being a little bit of a, a Star Trek boffin, I, I must confess. Um, the Star Trek The Motion Picture in 1979 uh, had the one of the lead characters at the end ends up merging with um, human technology. The, the kind of premise of the of the movie is that um, a a self conscious machine is looking for the creator. Uh, it doesn't know who its creator was, and it wants to fulfill its programming by uploading its knowledge that it's gathered to the creator it turns out that the the machine uh was the earth satellite voyager from the 20th century it's been you know flying around in space gathering all this information become self-aware self-conscious it's now looking for the creator and at the end of the movie one of the lead characters ends up merging in order for it to truly fulfill its programming it needs to merge with the creator become one with the creator and so it merges with a human being and a new sort of immortal species emerges. Is that how the Q came to be? I've wondered. Now, that's a real nerd question. Okay. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to have to pause this episode. We, we have some Star Trek wiki research to get into. <laughs> we could totally nerd out on that question because that did cross my mind when I was thinking about this. Was this kind of a conceptual origin of the Q? Uh, but I um, I don't think so, but it, it's an interesting idea. But the point is, is that it has an almost idealistic view that human beings will eventually merge with their technology to transcend what it means to be human. That was a sort of positive take. You fast, fast forward to 1996 and Star Trek First Contact. Yeah, yeah. 
and the the aliens the borg mm-hmm. obviously riffing off the idea of cyborg which yeah. is the notion that um which is the transhuman goal of 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 the organic yeah. human person um Immer- uh, um, integrating with with um, cybernetic technology yeah. and yeah. therefore so, cybernetic organism yeah exactly so you've got a cybernetic organism that's what the Borg are and they they assimilate uh, um, other um, humanoid species into their collective it's a hive mind so they're assimilating human beings and so here you have in a sense the very ideal of transhumanism the the organic and the and the synthetic merging into one the the perfect cyborg linked by a hive mind linked as a hive mind so um there's only sort of one ultimate consciousness although there's various drones and it's depicted as a nightmare as a total dystopian nightmare Mm -hmm. where everything Mm -hmm. that's truly human freedom um imagination independence choice even imperfection yeah um are done away and that this is a living hell. Yeah. And so there you have a kind of very negative take on the post-human, the transhuman ideal. And then you could go to a film like Transcendence in 2014 with Johnny Depp, where you have an AI scientist who's been working on, you know, how you might download human consciousness into another substrate, like a you know, computer. He dies, his wife uploads his consciousness onto a quantum computer um and uh up, you know uploads him to the internet and so there obviously you got what's presupposed there as human beings are nothing more than information processing systems your consciousness could eventually in some distant future be downloaded onto a machine and you could live in an uh, you know an immortal life in digital heaven mm-hmm. um you know in the internet somewhere so the ver- the the sort of idea the very much the idea that you are a god you are becoming a god uh, and part of becoming a god is that you transcend. You are post-human. You transcend all the limitations of created humanity by merging with your um, own creation. And um, again, you see some parodies here that they strike you immediately. Um, you've new birth uh, to be born again. Yeah. Right. You're going to yeah. be born again. Uh, and uh, how's this going to happen? merging with the cre- with the the cre- a, a merge a, a coming together a unity of the creation and the cre- the creature and the creator mm-hmm. yeah and yet that the, and yet christianity tells us that christ is the one who's brought light and immortality to light and it's by becoming one with christ um with our creator that new birth happens that the holy spirit transforms us jesus prayer remember that you might be one as my heavenly father and I are one, his prayer in, in John 17, uh, the idea that um, <coughs> I in you, you in me, uh, that, um, that, that we are, we don't become, of course, in Christianity, we don't become God, but our, our, but our longing for immortality um, and our, our longing to be more than what we are in this sinful human frame is met in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ, who is both creator and creature. He's God and man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in transhumanism, you see this, this sort of perverted parody of, of uh, it's a false gospel. The, 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 you are now God. You will merge with, uh, uh, and, and the mergence with your creation is going to birth this. It's, it's switched around. 
and, and this is going to birth this new reality and immortality will come to light. Uh, so um, it really is about, you know, becoming divine by de a decreation narrative and then a recreation narrative where the creator merges with its own creation. Um, so it's a kind of demonic distortion of the Christian gospel. Right. So, <clears throat> Joe, this has been a, a great conversation. We could go on for ages on this uh, any day except today, because I know that <laughs> we got a couple other appointments today. Uh, before, uh, before we wrap up, I just want to ask, uh, where's the line? Like, how, how do we... How do we reconcile, uh, how do we preserve that uh, creator-creature distinction, but also, you know, in a, uh, you know, in an optimistic and uh, dominion-establishing way? Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about, you know, prosthetic legs, uh, things yeah. like that. I'm thinking of, um, you know, thumbprint and facial ID for security of your, of our devices. Uh, what's, uh. What, what's the line between godly stewardship and development of good technology and uh, sinful, arrogant uh, usurpation? Yeah, there's um, that's a really good uh, there's a, that's a really good question because of course we're not anti-technology, um, and we're not saying that um, human beings shouldn't use uh, technology in order to. Um, seek a restore a restoration of proper functioning in a context like as you said artificial limbs mm -hmm. maybe you know cochlear implants to try and restore some degree of hearing yeah um uh retinal um uh transplants you know the our, our ability now to to you know maybe using something a mechanical device to restore the heart right so there's yeah. a there's a difference between um the the use of of technology to try and restore something to its proper functioning uh or at least try and provide um you know to provide for human flourishing by trying to roll back some of the consequences of um sin right. i mean in a certain sense yeah. you know we're sat here with our spectacles on and uh you know glasses mm -hmm. uh to some degree are um you know the use of of of, of human um technology to restore proper functioning i mean i've got yeah. astigmatism so my yeah. eyes are slightly misshapen um and uh and and the, the the lens of the glasses you know now very sophisticated cutting of lenses and everything else that can, can happen um or whether whether it's a um a uh, a contact lens or a set of glasses restores clarity of vision so it's not like human beings haven't been using technology for a long time mm -hmm. to try and be be restorative. But as um, uh, Hank Gertzimer says, uh, as he uh, comments on, on this question, um, he says that a machine, no matter, no matter how sophisticated it is, is a physical device designed by humans to perform certain functions. So he says technological developments in relation to human and machine do not warrant the use of cyborg as a symbol for a boundary evasion between them. So if I make a physical device that's going to uh, help with something that's going to be restorative, or even perhaps, you know, a telescope that's, or a microscope that's enhancing mm -hmm. my vision so that I can do something that's restorative for human flourishing, 
that isn't necessarily that that doesn't justify a boundary evasion right between the distinction between that which is truly human and that which is uh, a technological physical device uh, that we are that we are utilizing so the trans goal is that we would merge and the and that boundary would be eviscerated that um that 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 a uh, it's like you know you get dressed in the morning but that doesn't mean there's not a boundary distinction between clothes and and nakedness mm -hmm, right mm -hmm. um i can still distinguish between you know what i've put on and what is actually me yeah uh no matter how integrated you know it it, it might become in my daily living mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. so <clears throat> The notion of, he says, of cyborg as a symbol of a boundary evasion between what is fundamentally just a created physical device, no matter how sophisticated it is, and that which is um, ontically uh, the given of, of, of human existence, um, you, you, fundamentally there's a philosophical boundary there, a metaphysical boundary, that no human technology from our point of view as Christians can, can, ever, can ever evade. And as far as the um, the whole idea of the self is concerned, um, you know, when you think about trans, the transgender movement or the uh, transhumanist movement, it is true that we must be authentic and choose ourselves. I found Kierkegaard very helpful here. Hmm. Long before these trans movements emerged, he talked about the the challenge, the, the self being a task. It's not that they're not onto something in the sense that you can't just drift through life. Uh, in a fatalistic way we have to make choices we, we have to decide on a vocation we have to in a sense decide to be ourselves i would use the illustrations of the calling of 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 jeremiah from his mother's womb god says i set mm -hmm. you apart i appointed yeah. you yeah uh the you know the calling of king david um uh <clears throat> we see you know throughout scripture that god um, you know, we're knit together in our mother's womb. We're fearfully and want all the days ordained for us. Yeah. So there is a calling forth. You were intended, um, called forth, loved, prefigured <laughs> with a particular intention in mind that you would fulfill. Now, we have to discover that. We have to choose that. That is also a task and we can choose to rebel against it. And so in that sense, the self is a task we do choose to be ourselves but we can only we have to choose to be ourselves in relation to either the living god or an idol mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and if we choose to be ourselves in relation to an idol and let our imagination run riot unrestrained by the givenness of god's order and god's calling and god's law word um then far from becoming authentic and becoming ourselves we move away from ourselves we lose ourselves and the self vanishes poof into nothingness. And so whether that's trying to eviscerate boundaries with technology or with the trans movement, that's the danger. And um, that's where Christians must be on their guard. Uh, the givenness of the creation order is the critical thing. Right. <clears throat> well, Joe, thanks very much. Uh, this has been, uh, been a great conversation. From all of us to you, uh, again, we wish you a very Merry Christmas. Please do uh, prayerfully consider supporting the Ezra Institute at your, uh, your year-end giving. And we remind you, as always, that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God be glorified, and we'll be with you next week.